Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello and happy okay-ish Wednesday. Just as an FYI, today is the 30th episode. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe I haven't run out of things to say yet. I mean, I can believe that, but it's interesting because it's actually quite the opposite. I'm finding that the more topics I share about, the more topics come into my brain where I'm like, holy cow, I have to tell people about this. And it's awesome because then the more feedback I get about, hey, can you talk about this? Or have you talked about this yet? I love it. It's so exciting. As always, I'm Mary Ellen Dance, and the best place to get in touch with me is Instagram at Mary Ellen Dance. And before we get started today, I want to mention that next Wednesday is March 17th, which if that date rings a bell for you, it should, because last year for me and where I live, March 18th was where everything completely shut down. So next week will be all about the COVID anniversary, how to deal with this trauma that we are collectively experiencing together and all of that. So stay tuned because we will be talking about that next week. But for today, I want to follow up a bit from last week. So last week, if you missed it, I talked all about self-harm awareness because March 1st was self-harm awareness day. And interestingly enough, March 2nd was Teen Mental Health Day. The fact that those days are so close together is not a coincidence, I don't think. (laughs) Many teens struggle with self-harm, which I did mention last week. And so to follow up on that conversation, I want to share some of the childhood and teen-specific mental illnesses. And I want to let you know, if you're listening and you are not a child or teen, and you also don't have a child or a teen, you're not a parent, stick with me because I promise a lot of the things that I'm going to share today will also apply to you. All right. So before we get started, I am not the expert at all on kids. Secretly, I don't like to work with kids because managing their parents is really tough. But as an overview, today is just going to be like a big overview. I want to go over some of the disorders in kids and teens specifically and how that looks or how that doesn't look different than disorders in adults because it's all important to know. All right. So knowing that I'm not the expert, let's start with little kids. So if I asked you like, okay, what mental health disorder are little kids known for having? I feel like everyone would be like, uh, duh, ADHD. (laughs) I have a huge secret to share with all of you. Adults have ADHD too. (laughs) Like a lot of adults. So about 9% of children in the U.S. have been diagnosed with ADHD and about 2% of adults. Those statistics are from 2019, so they're not completely up to date. 
But as you can see, 9% of kids, 2% of adults. While I'd like to say that, you know, 7% of kids diagnosed with ADHD as a kid are cured by adulthood, and that's why there's that discrepancy there. Unfortunately, that's not really true. Unfortunately, ADHD has been often misdiagnosed. For a while, we've probably all had experiences with this. It was overdiagnosed in kids and then underdiagnosed in adults. So I believe I've mentioned this before, but there's this book called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, also known as the DSM. The DSM is how us mental health professionals diagnose mental health problems. It has every mental health diagnosis. Every diagnosis has criteria, right? So every diagnosis will be, okay, there's nine criteria if the person meets six of these criteria points for six months straight, then they can be diagnosed with this disorder, right? We're not just pulling it out of our butts. The most recent edition of this book, the DSM-5, changed the wording of the ADHD diagnosis to more accurately describe both kids and adults because they realized there's this diagnosing discrepancy. So part of the reason that ADHD has been so commonly misdiagnosed in the past is because it's often comorbid. Sorry, I'm throwing a lot of words at you, but comorbid means that the person has other diagnoses as well, right? So in kids, ADHD is often also seen with anxiety or depression. In adults, ADHD is often seen with both of those things, but also with bipolar disorder. From me sharing all of this, we can start to imagine how it gets all kind of convoluted, right? We often think of ADHD as, you know, a kid that's off the walls, bouncing off the walls, super high energy, and sometimes that's what it looks like. But ADHD can also often look like a child's mind wandering or the inability to listen or pay attention or focus or comprehend what you're saying. Things like that, it doesn't have to just be bouncing off the wall. And again, it's like so tough because let's say a child has both anxiety and ADHD. Well, sometimes those can look similar, right? Like sometimes those symptoms can overlap. So it's hard to really define and narrow down like where the symptom is coming from. Is their mind wandering because they can't pay attention and they're struggling to pay attention because of the ADHD or because they're super anxious about something and so their mind is wandering to that, right? It's hard to like pinpoint. So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I am by no means the expert on kiddos with ADHD since I primarily work with adults, but it's good to kind of understand this overview. And so if you're interested in more information on ADHD, I would go to chad.org, C-H-A-D-D, Org. I would also check out, there's a podcast called I Have ADHD Podcast. It's super cool and super informative. So that's one really, really prevalent diagnosis in kids. Some other common diagnoses in the young kids include oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. So conduct disorder is a precursor for antisocial personality disorder. What I mean by precursor is that antisocial personality disorder cannot be diagnosed until adulthood. So conduct disorder can be diagnosed in children, 
So like the symptoms of conduct disorder are similar to that of antisocial personality disorder. So typically a child with this disorder will grow up and be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Oh, and by the way, again, sorry I'm throwing all these terms at you, but a person with antisocial personality disorder is someone that you may know as a sociopath. Don't worry, we'll get to that. You'll just have to stick with me. Super interesting to talk about. So kiddos can be diagnosed with conduct disorder. Oppositional defiant disorder is another disorder primarily diagnosed in kids that often looks a lot like a kid who is very oppositional. <laughs> Crazy, right? You know, arguing with adults, blatantly not listening, all of that stuff. So it's interesting, ADHD can be diagnosed in kids and adults, but it primarily shows up like early on in life. Oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder also show up early on in life, and that's what kids are usually diagnosed with. It's sad to think about, right? Like these kids that can be diagnosed with these things. Again, we often think of, when we think of mental health, we think of adults, and there are certain disorders that can only be diagnosed in adulthood, right? Like the personality disorders I was talking about earlier. But there's a lot of these disorders that show up in really, really young kids. Hence why I'm talking about it today. All right, so if we're not super overwhelmed yet by the information I'm throwing at you, I'm going to add some more information. <laughs> I also want to touch on really quick, because it's really prevalent in kids, is autism spectrum disorders. Autism spectrum disorders are also most often diagnosed in childhood. Hopefully, because if the child can be diagnosed early on, then we can get the help and support that they need. So you may be familiar with the terms autism or even Asperger's. Now in the DSM-5, there isn't a differentiation, but it's called autism spectrum disorder and it's rated on a spectrum. And thank goodness it's now diagnosed in this way because very similar to ADHD, a lot of adults who were never considered on the autism spectrum disorder because maybe they didn't have a severe case were looked over. All these adults are like, wait, 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 why does no one quite understand me? Why do I have trouble connecting with others? Right? Also similar to ADHD, people on the autism spectrum disorder are also often diagnosed with either anxiety or depression. So let's say it's like a mild case of what we know to be Asperger's, and the person also has anxiety. So kids are often kind of passed under the radar thinking that they have anxiety and are a little quirky, but that that's it. As you can tell, us in the mental health world are continuously like learning and growing and understanding, but it's tricky and it's complicated. It's hard to tell like, okay, what, what's just a, a kid being a kid and what's not? I know some adult men specifically who were told as, as kids and even as adults that they were quirky or nerdy or weird. And guess what? They are definitely somewhere on the autism spectrum. Think of how much like teasing and suffering and struggling they could have overcome if when they were a kid, they actually had a diagnosis so they could have gotten like the help and support that they need. There has been a lot in the past few years, more research coming out of adults saying like, holy cow, I think I am on the autism spectrum and I just never knew it. People just thought I was like nerdy or weird. And so it's important to like look at all of this stuff in kids so we understand 
because understanding helps us to know the best way to help, right? The best way to help and the best way to get support. So this whole episode was meant to give an overview of childhood disorders, and now I'm getting all worked up. (laughs) The point of all of this is to give some context to some of these disorders that we hear about all the time, right? We even use ADD as, as like a slang term, right? If you lose focus and you're like, oh, sorry, ADD moment. Like it's not a slang term, it's a diagnosis. And a common theme here, if you haven't been able to tell yet, is that these childhood disorders are so often comorbid with anxiety and depression. You know, we're really lucky as adults. When we're feeling anxious, we know how to hold it in, whether that's healthy or not. But like, we know how to not have a breakdown in tears in the middle of Wegmans. Most of the time, sometimes I wish I could do that. But kids don't have these skills. I was actually just talking to a dad the other day about his child who's been acting out. And the times of day that his child acts out are stressful times of day, right? Getting everyone to leave the house, doing homework uh, that's difficult, stuff like that. And the dad was like, yeah, you know, when my child acts out, I understand because the times that he acts out are times when I'm also stressed. So not only is this poor kid stressed, but then they act out because they just don't know how to handle it. And then they yell and scream. And then, you know, of course, we have to discipline when a kid is yelling and screaming. And man... All I'm saying is it must be really hard to be a kid. It must be really hard. And all this to say, I haven't even gotten to teenagers yet. So I chatted last week about self-harm. Please check out the episode. A fact that I learned since recording that episode about self-harm is that teens, specifically ages 13 to 19, who self-harm increased by 333% in 2020. I mean, we can imagine why, right? Teens have been isolated. School has been taken away from them. Oh my gosh, they're on their phones more, which I tell you, I would not have survived high school if Snapchat existed. I just wouldn't have. But it's a huge problem. And, you know, understanding it helps because it shows that we can, like, all do something about it. And another really common disorder in teens is eating disorders check out episode 12. Eating disorders are rampant in kids. I was talking to a client this week about how she remembers when her parents put her in like on a diet, put her in like Weight Watchers when she was like nine years old. Obviously that developed into an eating disorder. It's really, really, really scary. And eating disorders and self-harm are often related. Also, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, is very, very common. It's very common for anxiety to manifest itself in OCD in kids and teens. I'll share with all of you that when I was a kid, I had OCD tendencies. I was never diagnosed, but I specifically remember having like bedtime rituals that if I wasn't able to like complete, I would get really upset. I remember getting really nervous around bedtime, so more of the rituals would come out. And when I say ritual, I mean, for me, I would like do things in a certain order, make sure, you know, I would like walk out of the room in a certain direction or like unmake my bed at night to get in it from a certain angle, like things like that. 
And I remember as a kid that at one point my mom like caught on to the fact that I was doing this and told me that if I wasn't able to stop, that she would bring me to talk to someone about it. Miraculously, I was able to stop. I was able to like kind of cut out the rituals. But let me ask you, did that mean my anxiety and the underlying drive to do those obsessions and compulsions went away? I'll give you a hint. They didn't. I've had some nasty anxiety as an adult, right? And so the reason I'm sharing this story actually is because often the things we see as kids, yes, are specific to kids and teens, but can like morph and change and appear in adulthood in very different ways. The other thing I want to mention is I've said a few times today that a lot of these diagnoses are often comorbid with other diagnoses. So diagnosing, like so many of us want to stay away from diagnosing, which I totally get, but it can also be really valuable, right? It can help us to understand exactly what we're looking at. We don't want to, if we diagnose someone with strep throat, we're going to handle that differently than an ear infection, let's say. So sometimes diagnosing can be really, really valuable because it's important to recognize that these things can look similar, but they are different. And diagnoses are written in pencil, metaphorically. <laughs> but like they can be changed and updated, right? That's shown that some disorders that are primarily for kiddos that can change in adulthood. That's really important for all of us to understand. All right. So I literally just like word vomited information all over you. I hope you don't mind. Once I got started talking about all of this, I obviously got really, really excited <laughs> because it's so important to talk about and it's so often like overlooked or swept under the rug. And I want to remind everyone that this is strictly an overview. Again, I primarily work with adults. I do not primarily work with kids. So I am by no means the expert. And I went really, really fast through some really serious topics that deserve way more time and learning and attention. But my goal for today is that this could be like an overview to kind of understand what these things are, understand these words that we hear all the time and probably don't think much of, understand what they actually are. But all of that being said, can we take a second to recognize how freaking hard it is to be a kid right now? <laughs> Holy cow. I have a teenage client and she she struggles with like some depression, some self-esteem stuff. But, you know, overall, she's pretty stable, pretty high functioning. And recently I was chatting with her parents and they were talking about how, you know, obviously they want to be on top of any mental health issue. Right. Like they don't want to ignore warning signs or anything like that, which is great. But the teenager is like, ah. Uh, um, I'm a teenager in a pandemic. Like, I'm sorry, it's kind of normal that I'm kind of having some mood swings and like talking back to my parents. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, as adults, we want to be all over this stuff and we should be. But on the flip side, what if the child or teen is simply struggling with the human experience that we're living right now? Because newsflash, we all are. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, counseling and therapy can be super beneficial, no matter what situation, but sometimes it's hard to tell. So it's important to educate ourselves, understand what may be going on, but more important than anything else 
If you haven't listened to a word I've said today, the most important thing is to ask the kid what's going on. Because they may or may not know, but kids know a lot more than we give them credit for. That's for sure. My best friend is a uh, vice principal. And she was chatting to me recently about burnout and, you know, how being in the school system kind of sucks right now and all of that. I cannot imagine what it's like to be a primary school teacher right now. Holy cow. Anyways, she told me that she recently had an interaction with some kids, which she doesn't get to do as often since she is a vice principal, not a teacher. And not only that, but she's a work from home vice principal right now. And she was telling me that this interaction with some kids completely completely helped her burn out because as she put it to me, kids are really awesome. They're honestly pretty okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.